Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, right now, Dave Rowland is listening to the Supreme Court case dealing with Donald Trump being on the ballot in Colorado, and it will affect being on the ballot in other states as well. Uh, it's, in fact, uh, maybe, Brian, do you think uh, we can grab some of that audio a little later on? We will certainly try to get some of it. Sure. All right, we'll see if we can get that uh, in the next segment of the program. Uh, but uh, Dave is, is uh, you know, a brilliant constitutional attorney, uh, listening to the arguments, taking notes, and uh, he'll share quotes and uh, give us his opinion. And it is not... Um, I just want to point out, you can you can listen to the questions and try and kind of figure out which way the court's leaning, uh, but you really, it, it really is an iffy uh, way to go. Uh, it, it's it's really difficult to, to nail down in advance uh, just based on the questions. But if they're lopsided enough, then uh, it, it, uh, it just might be a, a, a foregone conclusion. I frankly think they're going to rule he belongs or he, he's allowed to be on the uh, ballots. In the meantime, in this segment of the program, it is on Think Tank Thursday, the Show Me Institute's uh, time. Patrick Tui is with us. Uh, what's going on in Jackson County? Patrick, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. What's going on with uh, the will, Royals and the Chiefs? So there will be uh, an item on the April 2 ballot in Jackson County in which part of Kansas City sits. And we will be asked to extend a three-eighths cent sales tax, uh, which currently expires in 2031. But this will be uh, expanding it for another 40 years. And that will be used to pay for the Chiefs stadium and to help the Royals build a new stadium somewhere. That's really all we know because there is no contractual agreement between the teams and the counties yet. So uh, as is too often the case, the taxpayers are being asked to pony up before we really know what we're buying. You know, cities really ought to, all the, all the teams, uh, all the cities ought to get together and say, this is it. We are not giving stadiums away to any new teams or any teams. Because once they stop playing that game, once the teams actually have to invest in their own stadiums, they'll be a lot less likely to just walk away and find another city. Uh, you're exactly right, and we have a perfect example of that here in Missouri. So Stan Kroenke took the Rams from St. Louis to Las Vegas in 2016, and your listeners will recall that the city of St. Louis and the state were falling all over themselves to offer Kroenke at least $400 million in subsidies to stay. Now, this, to your point, this is exactly what's important. Stan Kroenke moved to Los Angeles where he was offered exactly zero in subsidies. Instead, he spent $1.6 billion of his own money to build the $5.5 billion SoFi Stadium. And I suggest that it will be a better built stadium exactly because he has private investors than anything St. Louis would have built with public money. But these guys don't need public subsidies. They don't need taxpayer money to do it. Now, I get it. If a city is throwing money at you, you'd be a fool not to take it, but it is not necessary. 
Yeah, if these cities would get together and say this is not going to happen anymore, you wouldn't see these teams walk away and abandon their stadiums. Uh, and we, you know, Amazon is is a perfect example. It, it's so embarrassing that cities actually competed for the Amazon headquarters when it was predicted that. Amazon would choose either New York City or Washington, D.C. New York, because that's where a lot of the uh, uh, tech industry was, and Washington, D.C., because Jeff Bezos had just built a house there. But all these cities thought that, you know, gosh, if we don't make an offer, somebody else will get it. That's always the argument with subsidies and with stadiums. They're afraid that the team's going to move or leave the city. But ultimately, just like Kroenke, Teams move where they think there is a market. And if your city does not have a good market, the su- all the subsidies in the world aren't going to lure a good team into a bad location. You know, teams even are if, able to, even, teams I, are able to put the fear of God into us. Excuse me. Even if, if you do have a good audience. You know, I remember in Cleveland, uh, we had the Cleveland Municipal Stadium. It was right on the shores of Lake Erie. 70,000 people could fit in there. And in the dead of winter with a Canadian blast, people would get in there and pack that stadium till standing room only. And I remember because we used to pound our feet on the cement while we were sitting there just to keep the blood flowing. <laughs> and they still walked away. It's, it's just pure and simple bribery. Uh, and it, it, really, uh, it really ought to end. Well, it ought to, uh, but but until cities do exactly what you suggest, which is say, you know, we're not going to take it, uh, teams will continue to play cities against each other. And as long as cities are well uh, willing to play the fool, this is what we're going to get. It's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I, I at least wish that municipal leaders would say, look, we want to spend a couple of billion dollars of taxpayer money because we feel better having a team. It's a point of pride. That would be a defensible position. But when they start saying that there's going to be an economic benefit, that it's going to create jobs, that the city or county is, is going to get richer as a result, that's where they are just making stuff up. Yeah, study after study, if I'm not mistaken, Patrick, indicate that it does not generate uh, permanent jobs. No, it, it doesn't. There are a few construction jobs uh, that, that happen. But again, it's not like those workers would be unemployed without that project. There are plenty of construction projects elsewhere. And that gets into the whole problem with economic impact claims in general. The jobs, the money, those are, those are I want to say flawed, but they are so flawed that you have to wonder if they are intentionally flawed. They make all these promises. And again, you know, Show me has been talking to you for years. None of these things ever live up to what they were told. But politicians are so eager to be seen as doing something, creating jobs, you know, uh, uh, supporting the city that I think they're willing to they're willing to fall for it. Nolan's law. If somebody wants to build a building, I don't care, a stadium, hotel, whatever it is, if they come to the government for money, it's because it's a bad deal. Uh, and, and my reasoning here is, if it's a good deal, investors see a return, they'll invest. If it's not a good deal, they won't have enough money, and they'll go to the government. You, I think you are 100% correct. Uh, every time a developer says, 
uh, I want a subsidy, what they're really saying is, I've got a really bad idea, but if I get <laughs> enough public investment, it becomes a good idea. And then it's a drain forever, because it, 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 people who invest their money, uh, they look at these investments and, and, and do the long-term uh, computations, and they know if it's going to be worthwhile or not. The government, on the right. other hand, doesn't. No, and it, and it distorts the market, because, because the developer or the investors care less about the quality of the product, because they have a bunch of public money, they build inferior stadiums. I am sure that SoFi in Los Angeles is a beautiful complex, and I'm sure it is built to be profitable year-round, not just a few games throughout the season. And, and that's what we want. We want private investors with their own money on the line making the best decisions they can. Did you uh, write a, a column on this at the Show Me Institute website? Uh, I have got, uh, I write for the Kansas City Star once a week, and I've got a piece coming out this weekend that, that kind of uh, lays out the points I've made here. I, I can't wait to read it. I, I just think it's such a bad idea uh, to take money from people and, and dump it into a, a stadium or, or any other private enterprise. Patrick Tui, thank you. Go ahead. What? It's my pleasure. It's good to speak with you again. Thank you. All right. Uh, Patrick Tui, the Show Me Institute on The Gary Nolan Show. All right, we're up against the clock. we got to take a quick break. We'll see if we can dip into the Supreme Court. Don't forget Dave Rowland at 1115. He's going to be on board. Tell us what he's hearing. We'll get through his uh, legal lens uh, some, uh, some opinions on uh, which way things are going. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 20 minutes after 10 o'clock, and uh, we are uh, we're going to have uh, MoFirst.org, uh, and that is uh, Ron Calzone. He is going to be with us. Uh, the topic is the FRA and why the Republicans' approach to it is all wrong. We'll find out, and we'll do that at 1035. Then we got Mike Murphy, and that's Como Buzz, which one Z, uh, ComoBuzz.com. Uh, it is a, a diurnal that uh, has all the uh, Columbia information. And then finally at 10, uh, at 1140, uh, that's when Dave Rowland comes on to talk about the Supreme Court case. In the meantime, I got a message here from Brian. I'll see if I can explain this for him. He says, I do not understand your caller and yourself being in favor of open borders. I am not anti-immigration. I think healthy for a country in an organized, systematic approach. The idea is uh, the idea it is good for an economy to take millions of unskilled labor every year makes no sense to me. We already have a lower class who are struggling in the economy. Bringing in more people only displaces this workforce even more. It's not that they're unwilling to work. It's that they can make more on welfare, which I disagree with. But understand why they do not work. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. Continuing to have stagnant wages due to immigration is not the answer. Immigrants will work for less, like your caller said. He doesn't want to pay what the workforce says his job should pay. His answer is to bring in immigrants that will work for less. Please help me. All right. Brian. That's his name, not my hand. It's not my producer, Brian. The, the workforce doesn't determine what I will pay. If I have a job uh, opening, I want to get the best price for my labor that I can get. 
Just like when you go out to buy a car or you go uh, buy groceries, you shop around. You try to get the best price you can get. Nobody is saying, well, here's the minimum price you can pay. And if they are, they're crazy. Well, employers have that same right. Now, there's a give and take in this deal. In the marketplace, if you don't pay enough, you can't keep your labor force. You get a good worker and you're underpaying him, they'll go out and find someone who'll pay them what they're worth. Conversely, if you're overpaying for labor, you suffer because you can't afford, you know, your prices uh, suffer. So you, you can't demand labor prices. Market forces will make the employer do what needs to be done. Now, you know, if you're concerned about inflation, then don't worry about immigrants coming into the country. All they're going to do is lower the price of the goods and services you want to buy, which counters inflation. But what you really want to do is, you know, vote for people who will reduce government spending substantially so that the government doesn't inflate the currency and the price of the goods you want to buy. Nobody, you know, when this country was formed, we didn't put up all these guardrails. We let people come into this country and they worked. And here's the other side of, the, of this uh, uh, equation, Brian, that you're not looking at. When somebody comes into this country and they take a job, they have to survive. They have to buy food and clothing and housing and utilities and transportation and all those things. So not only do they produce, they consume. And that consumption makes the government uh, or makes the economy stronger. So it's all good. What's not good, and you point this out to your credit, Brian, is that you can't have these people sucking off the government teat. But, you know, telling people who are starving to death, who, like your great-grandfathers and, 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 and fathers and grandfathers, all, you know, all came here to, to make a better living, we don't shut the door on it. And there's more to the free market than just e than even that. If if there are too many people coming here to work, and they can't get you know because of the competition they 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 can't get the pay they need to survive on, or they come here and they can't find a job because so many other people are here, they will leave. They will leave as long as. The federal, state, and local government doesn't sub subsidize their existence without work. And that's why I'm in favor of letting people come into this country that want to come into this country, save for terrorists, deadly communicable diseases, um, and, and uh, you know, other threats. You want them to come here. If you're worried about inflation... A low-skilled worker going to drive down prices. That's just how the market works. Um, you know, these arguments to the kind, and, and we've heard these arguments before. 
We heard them in the early 1900s, uh, the early 20th century. Uh, We can't have all these Irish coming here, those dirty mix. Uh, We can't have all these Hispanics coming in. We can't have all these Jews coming in. We can't. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Like your forefathers, they want to come here and have a shot at making a living. And that's the great melting pot. That's the, the, the beauty of the government uh, and, and of this country as the, as the founding fathers put it together. And while the, the Constitution does cover naturalization, it doesn't say a whole lot about immigration. Because the founding fathers knew that people would want to come here and that the more people, the more diverse, the better the economy would be for everybody. Uh, let's, uh, let's see. John is on immigration. We'll take a quick call or two and then we got to move on. John, good morning. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Hey, I think if we had a moratorium on immigration for a while, you'd see low end wages start to go up. People come off of welfare, Americans who are already here. It's just plain disloyal to our own people to, to put them in competition, direct competition with the whole world. I'm ashamed of you, John. I'm literally, I'm ashamed of you. How did I you this through as much yeah, as anybody, Gary? Did you? Well, how did your parents get here? It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. How did your How did your family get to the United States? Okay, I got that. That's that's the historic argument and the well, emotional argument. Now, it's not emotional. It's not emotional. How did your family get here? What drove them here? Well, they came here. Of course, yeah, uh, they came here. Why? I. Don't know. Uh, half the family was back in the Revolutionary era, and half the family came over from Finland in 1919. And why would they come here from Finland? Uh, the Communist Revolution, I would say. So they Russian wanted to find a place. Yes. So they wanted to find a place where they could make a living and feed their family, and somewhere down the lo- uh, down the road, create you. Sure, sure. And That's you want to deny this? Uh, though, Gary, and you're and at so you, so you, point of view so you want to stop for a minute? So you want to deny the next generation that's looking to come to this country to carve out a living? Yes. Absolutely. I am a loyal that's, American. That's and not. I be that's not the people here. That's not loyal. That's not loyal. It's not loyal to the Constitution. It's economic ignorance, and it's wrong. It's wrong for you to be here taking advantage of what your forefathers did while you turn around and deny the next generation that same uh, opportunity. It's the ne- no, no, you're denying the next American generation the opportunity. You see what I'm saying? I'm no, you're from absolutely. An American, I'm not you, know, you know what, John? Then don't have kids. For God's sakes, don't have kids. Because your kids will be taking jobs that other Americans might want. And it's not emotional? Well, I'm just telling you that if you're afraid that competition for labor is a bad thing and bringing more people into the country is a bad thing, you shouldn't have children because they're going to take jobs from other Americans. But you uh, don't. My point is that numbers do matter, and so does fitability. If if you get too many people that don't fit or no, that are... No, nonsense. Of- John, the more people that come into this country... That work, they produce, they consume, it drives the economy. There is no full mark. It's not like the gas tank on your car. 
I got to run, John. We disagree on this one. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 1035, glad to have you with us. Brandon uh, sent me a message. He said, another reason why libertarians will never win anything. Liberal progressive thinking. You know, if you think the free market is liberal progressive thinking, Brandon, then you're suffering from economic ignorance. The uh, the labor market uh, can take in uh, as many people as, you know, as want to come here. As long as they're not getting government subsidies, they're working to survive. And if they're working to survive, they're producing and consuming. And consumption is good for the marketplace. Lower wages, you know, if it's a low-skilled job, why should I pay more for labor than labor is worth? You shop around for a good price. Employers should be able to do that, too. You, you, just, you just want people to be paid more than they're worth. And you think somehow it's patriotic to keep people locked out. Well, your family came here somewhere in the past because they wanted the freedom to succeed. The freedom to succeed that this country provided for generations. And now everybody suddenly wants to lock them out. That's ridiculous. And it's un-American. And if you really, like I say, if you're, if you're afraid that, you know, some, you know, somebody coming into the country is going to take a job, then don't have kids because they're going to take jobs. All right, let me go to the phones uh, because uh, sitting online right now is Mr. Ron Calzone. It's MoFirst.com or is it .org? I'm sorry, MoFirst.org, right? .org. .org. Uh, what is FRA? FRA is the initials of Federal Reimbursement Allowance. And so that is basically the way a lot of Missouri's Medicaid is funded. And we have a problem with it? Well, we do. So every couple of years, if you've noticed, and you will notice short and very shortly, uh, the Missouri General Assembly has a big battle over... uh, reissuing or reauthorizing the FRA because the statute that authorizes it has a two-year sunset on it. So every couple of years they've got to go back and they've got to kick the can forward again. They've got to, they, you know, typically they'll, they'll put a date, a sunset date two years in the future. And every year there's a battle over that, not because uh, there's some people that don't want to reauthorize it, but because there's some people that want to put some pro-life language in the FRA. And so you have a battle between the pro-life elements, you know, especially of the Senate, and the pro-abortion elements of the Senate. And so the FRA becomes kind of a political football. And the thing that frustrates me is, is that the real issue, the thing that really at least Republicans should care about, is the FRA itself. Because it's a big socialist program. It's a big redistribution of wealth. It's, a, it's really the state of Missouri, actually, it's the healthcare industrial complex in Missouri scamming the federal government. Which, of course, means that, that uh, we all pay. Well, that's right. And so the, the FRA is described by the proponents of it as being a public-private partnership. Uh, does that raise any red flags for you? <laughs> right away. Right. Of course, understand that the public-private partnerships were the things that the colonists were fighting against. You know, the 
the East India Trading Company was a public-private partnership. All of the mercantilistic stuff that the founders fought that great war against Great Britain over was over uh, mercantilism or public-private partnerships versus true free market capitalism. So the FRAs, uh, you know, it has its roots in the Johnson administration's Great Society of 1964, because that's when you saw Medicare and Medicaid, you know, the greatest socialist program in American history come into being. And and so the FRA, in a nutshell, is what it does is it, it leverages money that comes from the federal government to support Medicaid in Missouri uh, through a matching grant system. And so... There was, and I think it was about 1991 or prior to 1991, there was an opportunity to get federal matching dollars. If the state put up X dollars, the federal government would give you, you know, generally X times two dollars, roughly. And, um, you know, and the state could only just put up so much. So the healthcare industrial complex decided we can scam this. And what we'll do is we'll get a law passed that taxes us. So there's a tax on healthcare providers. And that tax will be directly used to, to send to the federal government to get the matching funds. And so, so basically, I think the numbers are like 35 to 65 percent. Uh, the healthcare industrial complex figured that they can send this money to D.C. and <clears throat> they get back uh, more money. You know, I'll just say twice as much money as they sent or three times as much money as they sent really is what it works out to. So they double their investment. And so, why is that so bad? Well, the reason it's bad is because that federal money comes with strings attached, number one. And, and that's particularly what Republicans or pro-life people are concerned about. They're concerned that the federal government is going to make the states spend that money on Planned Parenthood and abortion services. Of course, you know, abortion is outlawed in Missouri right now, but, they, but the Republicans rightly recognize the fact that uh, if you give Planned Parenthood any kind of money, um, even if it's not earmarked for abortion, it'll eventually end up providing abortion services somewhere if, in another state, if not here. And, you know, but so anyway, it's, it's a big, complicated football. But my frustration, Gary, I think you'll appreciate this, is that there's no Republican saying this is a socialist program. This is this socialist program is driving up health care costs. Just like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac created the housing bubble and the crash in 2008, just like the student loan program has driven up the cost of higher education because you end up with misallocation of resources, the FRA and the Medicaid system and the Medicaid reimbursement just makes health care costs higher for everyone. And nobody is saying we should get out from our dependence get out from under our dependence of the federal government, we should phase out this socialist program and make sure that Missouri is truly independent. I, you know, so far I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, I, 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 I think that uh, we're just draining our resources, uh, and I don't know that we'll ever get out from under the debt at the federal level. Uh, these government programs ought to be rejected I would love to see a state reject it, uh, but oh, I think absolutely. the uh, the medical industrial complex we we take that industrial complex and add it on to anything we think is uh, uh, literally uh, taking advantage of you. Uh, I think they would raise hell. Well, they they would, and what they're claiming is is that we get four billion dollars. That's with a B out of this Medicaid uh, program, the FRA program. 
And if you don't have it, then you're going you're gonna to end up having hospitals closed down, especially rural hospitals. You know, but the bottom line is, is that we've had the FRA since at least 1992, and we still have these tremendous problems with health care. It hasn't working. It's not working. So how about trying something different, like maybe free market, perhaps? No, 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 no. Never, never do that. Ron, I want to change, I want to, I want to change directions here rather abruptly, abruptly because I'm, uh, I've only got a couple of minutes left. What's going on with the IP reform? Any advances here? Uh, yes, there have been some advances. So I think the House, the Missouri House, is kind of waiting to see what the Senate does. And the Senate has advanced a bill. It's Senate Bill 74. And Senate Bill 74 has, I think, the language that you and I prefer. So it's using concurrent majority ratification, and it's using state house districts as the second metric. So that means that in order to ratify an amendment to the Constitution, you'd have to have a statewide majority popular vote. So majority of voters say yes. And then you'd also have to have a majority of voters in more than half of the state house districts also say yes. So there's two conditions that have to be met. And of course, the idea is that you have a broader geographic consensus. Now, that said, I'd say that there's a pretty good chance that you're going to see an attempt to change that second metric from state house districts to congressional districts. That, uh, why do you think that's going to go in that direction? Why do you think that's going to happen? Well, just knowing the players and, you know, knowing the dynamics and probably some of it I can't say publicly, but uh, I just think that's likely to be a push. How can we uh, keep it? How can we keep that from happening? Well, yeah. you know, I think just like anything, call your, you know, call your rep and call your senator, especially right now, the Senate's to where it matters most, you know, and tell them what you want. And um, my, you know, the, I think that both would be a big improvement over what we've got now, but there's some nuances that people aren't considering. Like, for instance, if you make state, sen I'm sorry, if you make congressional districts the second metric, there's eight of them. And you remember a couple years ago, there was a big battle in the Senate over the 7-1 congressional district maps. You remember mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. So if, if you're a Republican and you're pushing for uh, as many Republican congressmen as possible, then that means you're going to be spreading out the Republican vote among seven districts instead of concentrating them in five or six. And so that ends up weakening, um, you know, the effect that you have of getting a geographic consensus. So there, my, my, my biggest annoyance right now is the fact that there's so much garbage going on in the Senate. There's so much bickering that, and, and some of the bickering is about when you get stuff to the floor, like, quote, IP reform or ratification reform. But there's not enough time spent just sit, that, sitting down discussing with one another what the advantages and disadvantages of each of the options are. And, you know, I'm not sure that I'm smart enough to really be the one that makes the decision, but I think I am smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough and know that we really need a lot of good thinkers together in the same room. And that just doesn't seem to be happening. He who knows not and knows that he knows not uh, seems to fit the bill. Uh, all right, uh, Ron, thank you very much. MoFirst.org. Uh, on the World Wide Web, if you want to uh, keep apprised of what Ron is up to. Always appreciate having you on the program. Thank you, Gary. All right. Ron Calzone. Calzone. All right. We're getting immigration uh, uh, messages at, at GaryNolan.com. We'll kind of cover that. Then uh, Como Buzz with one Z, Mike Murphy.
And then we'll find out from Dave Rowland how the arguments are looking in the Supreme Court with President Trump being on the ballot in Colorado and other states. That's 1120. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It is 1052. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Mike Murphy coming up at 1105. Uh, he'll get us up to date on what's going on inside Columbia. Combobuzz.com. That's one Z. Then Dave Rowland is going to be on. He's been listening to the justices uh, as they uh, discuss and debate about the uh, Trump ballot uh, ban case. And he's... Uh, arguably uh, one of the uh, best interpreters of the uh, of the Supreme Court that I know of uh, and understands the Constitution uh, very well. We'll find out what his takeaway is. He'll give us his review. Uh, in the meantime, we start talking about uh, immigration. So I, I just want to go over a few things. If in, in, in the world, in American history, we have periods of time when different groups came to the United States in huge numbers. And we had people screaming that we have to stop them. Uh, it was the Irish. It was the Jews. It was a whole bunch of different groups that, that would come to the country. And there would be these racist people who would say, no, 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 we can't have them coming. Too many of them. We'll never. And they were all wrong. They were all wrong. They were wrong because they were being racist in many cases, and they were wrong because economically speaking, this is what, it's, it's immigration that uh, keeps this country uh, growing, economically and otherwise. These, the, the problem that we're having is not that people want to come here and go to work, or that they'll drive down the price of labor because they're willing to do the job at a better price than, say, a, a fifth-generation American. It's their right to work for those wages. If, they're, if they think those wages fit for them and they're willing to work for it, they should be allowed to. Uh, Americans who have been here for a couple of generations should have better education, more job skills. They should be moving up the ladder, not even looking at those jobs. The problem that we have isn't immigration. The problem that we have is big government. The problem that we have is Democrats, and to a certain extent Republicans, allowing the federal government to subsidize the existence of people coming into this country. Instead of facing that reality and dealing with that reality, we instead look the other way and try and find a bad Band-Aid solution. And it ain't going to work. I've told you for years, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans are going to, quote unquote, fix the immigration uh, issue. Neither one of them will. You don't have the right to tell the people who are following your family here that they can't come here, too. You don't have the right. You can't argue that, oh, they're going to take jobs. They're going to work for less money than Americans. Well, if they're willing to work for that, it's an improvement for them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. If working for five bucks an hour is acceptable to somebody coming into this country, that means they couldn't do that where they were. And this is improving their lives. <clears throat> and they will work hard. 
and they will teach their children to work hard. And historically, when you look at those first-generation Americans, they just nail it. They become wealthy, and they're hardworking, uh, and they're an asset to the country. You want that. You want, you know, there are the, those of you who are concerned about Social Security. I know it's going belly up. Wouldn't you rather have more people working and paying into it? You're worried about inflation. Wouldn't that lower prices? There are just benefit after benefit after benefit of having people come into this country and work. The problem that we have isn't those people coming here to work. The problem that we have is the government paying them not to. So instead of arguing or trying to prevent people from coming into the country, use your energy to prevent the government from subsidizing their existence. In New York City, they're literally giving these people ATM cards to go buy food. They're, they're, they're putting them up in hotels. We're, we're taking care of their medical benefits. It's not their fault. It's our fault. We keep electing Democrats and, to a certain extent, Republicans who allow these things to happen. And if you lock the doors up, if you shut the country down and just let that trickle in that the federal government says should come in, we're going to be financially in trouble. We are going to be unable to compete in the worldwide market. We're going to stagnate. The government can't handle this. They want you to believe you're too stupid, but in reality, they're too stupid. Uh, Bill, my descendants came from England in 1671 to Fairfield, Connecticut. Spent all he had to get here. Worked for just room and board in the beginning. Yeah. It, today, they'd put them up in a hotel. They'd be telling them, yeah, you don't have to work. We'll, we'll give you the money. Uh, open immigration works if you have small government rights. Anson, virtuous culture in a free market. We no longer have those things in this country. Well, instead of slamming those people coming into this country to work... Maybe, Anson, we should be working to get rid of those government programs that you're complaining about because that is the real problem. Roy says it's easier than uh, you're making it. If you look at the word job through the socialist worldview, all of this Bravo Sierra that we fight makes sense and the fight will go on. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Hi, Gary. The guy that uh, you were uh, talking to about immigration he was worried about too many people. If you put the entire population of the United States in Texas, everyone would have a half an acre. We aren't running out of room. We're running out of time. So Mike Murphy is up. Como Buzz on the Gary Nolan Show. The this Network. is the Gary Nolan Show.